0: Welcome to the Conscious Craft Podcast. I'm Melissa And I'm Hannah. And we are two health coaches on a mission to create a happier world, one thought, one breath, and one bite
1: at a time. We are kicking stress to the curb, and we're not going to take life so seriously. No, and we'd love for you to join, because we're all about community, and we want you to be a part of ours. So head over to the show notes and follow us on social media. We'd love to connect.
0: to take a minute to give a shout out to our show sponsor, which is us. Yep, we're sponsored by our own blood, sweat, and tears. (laughs) We are talking about our CBD company that we just started called Calm by Wellness Co.
1: Yes, so CBD happens to just be another tool in the toolbox to help you reduce stress. So it's only natural that we're starting a CBD company, right? Right.
0: And speaking of natural, we make sure that we use all of the finest, most natural ingredients so that what you're putting into your body is as clean
1: as can be to be as stress free. Ooh, I love it. So use code Consciously Calm at checkout and take 10% off your order. Reduce stress, sleep better, feel better, support your sisters out. So give the
0: gift of health this holiday season. Maybe you want to put a little CBD in as a stocking stuffer. Stocking stuffer. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's one of your gifts for your eight days of Hanukkah. Don't forget about Kwanzaa. Whatever holiday it is that you are celebrating out there, be sure to check us out at calmbywellness.co
1: and follow us on social media at calmbywellnessco. Happy holidays, y'all.
0: We are so excited to be sitting down here today with Garrett from Gnosis Therapy. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for hanging out. I'm excited.
1: Can't wait. Hell yeah. So you are a biopsychosocial pro.
2: Yeah.
1: Can you explain that?
2: Pro is short for professional.
1: Oh, Ooh. thank you so much. <laughs> That's the one word we were unsure about. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got that for now. Yeah. we can
2: move right along. Okay. But, <laughs> let's do that. Um, so, biopsychosocial. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about that. I think that's fun. The reason why I like that, because it sounds terrible, it's a mouthful, and it sounds like pedantic, it sounds like you're an asshole, right? <laughs> um, by, there's a model of healthcare that we think of that's biomedical. So, when someone doesn't feel well, they either get a prescription or they get a cut. And if I am in a car wreck, and I'm laying on the road, and I'm broken and beat up, and my insides are on the outside, please put all that back in and stitch it back up that is great, please continue to do that. And the more you do that, the better. If we could just make it a little bit cheaper, that'd be great too. Um, But if I am not in that acute situation, and I'm not feeling myself, and I don't feel like taking a medication, and there's nothing in me that's happening that needs to be cut, we do not have enough resources for people. So the the antithesis of the biopsychosocial model is the biomedical model. And I'm not saying medicine is bad, I'm just saying if that's all we have, we're limiting the experience of human emotion, social interaction, and how we show up in that every day.
1: Well, especially here in the West, Western medicine is all, like you said, you either get a prescription or you have surgery. No preventative healthcare here. But now, people like yourself, health coaches Mm -hmm. like us. Mm -hmm. We kind of do the thing we're doing a little something a little bit of a preventative measure but the Western medical model that's what it's missing it's preventative health care
2: 100 percent and I feel like the reason why there's such a boon in like alternative or holistic health care is because people in traditional roles are not satisfied with it and the market economy is there and it's gonna people are going to do what they need to get done to take care of it and I I think it's funny because there's a lot of physical doctors of physical therapy that were like CrossFit's bad for people. I'm not going to treat CrossFit athletes when they show up at my door. I'm going to scare them and tell them to never go back. And so for a long time, there was like this like tirade against CrossFit from those people. And then there's like someone who is like an athlete themselves, and they understand that athletics is important for people and it helps with their mental health and their physical well being and that yes, some movements done for high volume may not be the safest ones, but not everybody is meant for that, some people are. And he was like, all right, you got some shoulder pain, knee pain? Come in, I'll take care of you. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. My job is to have you do what you do in your life and love it, and I'm gonna do that. And in fact, there's so many of you, I could spend my whole career just treating that one population and it's fun and I know how to do it. And you know, that's what he did. And so I feel like a lot of people are choosing to stay in their lane. Mm because it's scary outside of it, mm-hmm. and they feel like it's not their job, and there's people that have needs and they're just refusing to meet them, um, I think that's sad. Yeah.
0: So you're here to meet people where they're
2: at? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And most people are doing pretty well, but they notice how much better they could be doing, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of get frustrated a lot of the times, because they're trying really, really hard, and the more they try, like, the more challenging it. And whether that's in their personal life, their professional life, right, whether that's with the health and wellness as well, um, I think all the three of those are extensions of their relationship with themselves mm-hmm. if you're in a terrible relationship with yourself or just not a great one, yeah. your relationship with other people is going to be reflecting that, your health is going to reflect that, and whatever business you're in is going to reflect that as well, so I often see people like doing all these to-do lists they're like yeah I'm doing it all and I got the best to-do list from the smartest person I know and I paid a lot of money for it and they're so stressed out still even though they have that to-do list checked off yeah and it's like they they miss something in there right mm-hmm. and so they're often confused frustrated angry overwhelmed they tried it again and again and again and they tried everything and then they show up here so it's kind of fun
1: right well you're literally bridging the mind-body connection. With yeah. your practice. Mm-hmm. And most people are still separating those two. It's like, well, you have one body, mm-hmm. it's all connected. And yeah. it makes sense that there might be some connections with all of your issues.
2: Yeah. And I think like an easy way of thinking about it that like makes it simple enough that like a twelve year old can understand it, right? Is if I take chemicals and it changes the way I feel, then we know that. Mm-hmm. If I watch a movie and I have like an emotional reaction. That changes the way I feel. If I hang out with someone and my grandma gives me a hug, that changes the way I feel. If my dog's in the room and I pet my dog and it licks my hand, it changes the way I feel. So we're definitely susceptible to influences, Absolutely. both good and bad, from our social environment, from internal experiences that we get from like watching or consuming, you know, media, right? Or books or poems or stories or movies or you know images. And then we definitely have chemical reactions that perpetuate all that stuff, which would be the biology part, right? But that's how we affect that emotion. And so it seems interesting. When we're like, yeah, take an SSRI. That will change the chemistry in your brain, and you'll feel different. And we're like, that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then we're like, but ignore everything else. Ignore. What? <laughs> yeah. Like maybe there's some low lying fruit there. Like. Yeah. Maybe that email from your boss, like, you need right back. And, like, maybe everybody else in the office also thinks he's a jerk. Maybe that one guy needs to go get some help from somebody. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he needs the medication. And then everyone else around him would be better. Right. And that's, <laughs> <So> you know, <laughs> know, like, that's very real, right? right. And it's, like, you can't feel comfortable with your boss because that's the person who is responsible for hiring, promoting, or firing you. Mm-hmm. And everybody you know... That's a tough situation to be in, to be able to speak your mind, have safe boundaries, feel validated and safe. And there's a lot of leadership books about that, right? How to not be that guy. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, like, how to put up with that person, right. Right? right? And when that doesn't go well, and we have high blood pressure, or we're stressed out, or we can't sleep at night, or... Not we're, eating
1: the right things. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No wonder we don't feel well. Yeah. If a movie can make me cry, if a commercial can make me cry, mm-hmm. if a gift can make me cry, right, 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 and I have twelve emails from that guy every day, mm-hmm. and we yeah. don't have a good relationship for whatever reason, right, there's got to be something there's there. Like, something's going on, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So unfortunately, not everybody can like, you know, gather up an office fund and like send their boss off to like therapy or whatever. Right. I mean, how great would that be? Though? That'd be great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. Like. I love Tim Ferriss, right? Like, mm-hmm. his four-hour work week, I think, is super inspiring. But it's outdated, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't read that and be, like, follow. It's not a paint-by-number anymore, because, like, right. Fiverr and Upwork, all that stuff, has been around forever. Um, but if you look at that and you read it from, like, a psychological perspective, he has these exercises where you're, like, you have to go lay in a park, in a public park, fully dressed, and just lay there. And, like, if you walk around, like you said, in Western society, and you see someone in the middle of the day, laying in a park underneath a tree you're like Pfft, loser mm-hmm. like do you not have a job mm-hmm. do you not have a home do I need to give you money mm-hmm. like I feel bad for you Here, here's 20 bucks right like go enjoy yourself or you're like, lush, probably not all like, like, we have these biases. Yeah, when same thing is
1: really for happy people. You see oh, someone... We yeah, were just, we were just having this conversation. Yeah, you see someone who's just very happy and joyful, and you're like, oh my gosh, do you have, have kids? Are you certified like crazy? Yeah, or do you I'm to it a little bit. What's going on? <laughs> it's just glorified <gasps> to be stressed, angry. I mean, if you're not stressed out, you're not hustling. That's almost the model yeah. in the West.
2: Yeah. That's why we have Starbucks on every corner. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then right next to it is a chiropractor on every corner.
1: So <laughs> exactly.
2: Because, like, you're super stressed and you're late for a meeting, but don't run. Right. Do not. Look, that's not cool, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Backpack one strap. <laughs> can't, can't do that. Can't two strap it. Could not, that's not good for you. You're trying too hard. <laughs> you're, you're trying too hard, right? <laughs> what the heck I'm striving I got the venti extra whatever <laughs> I gotta stop my chiropractor just so I can get walking you, know. you go to another country and they're like full squat on the ground yeah they're smoking a cigarette right but they're like <laughs> Thailand they're out on the cigarette break it's full deep squat mm-hmm. not a chiropractor we found
1: mm-hmm. perfect squat yeah perfect squat yeah okay.
2: so uh, the biopsychosocial is the antithesis of that model it's more inclusive it's going to explain all of that. It's going to allow for all of that. And when someone shows up, you're not looking for a diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, because I work with clients, not patients. Right? right? They're intact in their life. They mm-hmm. have a job. They're in a relationship. They're just trying to get by, and get right. better, right. You know, level up, get out of the rat race, enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of a guy from Office Space where he like was like, okay, this is terrible, and it's the absurdity of like, you know, what are the TPS reports? Like you did it wrong. Now you do it all over again. Right. And like trying to get out of that, and how to like actually thrive instead of just exist in this modern world of convenience, right
0: So, if somebody was interested in coming to see you, yeah, um, what do what does your typical client come to you for? Just to up level, just to feel better, or do, or do you notice specific patterns with the people that do come to see you?
2: Yes, great question. So, uh, thank you. Some people have an active goal that they're pursuing, and it's not the first time they're pursuing it, and they felt like they have realized what's holding them back, and it's the same thing Tim Ferriss was talking about. They realize it's themselves, because it was the one consistent thing in every situation they've been in. And they're, like, finally butting up against this limiting belief. They can no longer decide that it's their boss, or their significant other, or their kids, or their parents, even. They're like, okay... Yes, all of that is effective, but it's really the way I'm reacting to all the situations. That's perpetuating the future that I no longer want to have. And managing complex change is tough. Like, you got to decide you want to see a future that looks different than it does now. You have to decide that you believe that enough to put in effort. You have to develop the skills to create that because you don't have it now. Mm -hmm. Then you got to make sure that you have the resources to be able to develop those skills. Then that vision outcome. Has to have enough incentive to get you to work through all that effort, and then you actually have to have a viable action time that works. That's a lot, <laughs> but that's enough just for yourself. To I, like, mean, I just got tired. You're like, Ugh, maybe not, right? <laughs> not bad. And I think that's true of any goal, right? Like I used to work in uh, primarily in healthcare, like a performance, like fitness, right? People are trying to actively get stronger, lose weight, right? And the reasons why they were losing weight were varied and interesting. Um, And lots of soft stories and awesome stuff that came from that. But they were really trying to control or change something about themselves. And the weight was actually a symbol of feeling more in control, which means they weren't as reactive to how they felt. So they go out in life, they would get triggered emotionally, and then they would react to it. And then their coping mechanism would distract them from being able to respond to that stuff. And then they'd have to deal with the coping mechanism instead of the actual and so it was a really awesome distraction because it took over a lot of their time. Um, and then how they chose to cope with their coping mechanism was interesting too. And then now they're broken and beat up and in pain because they're doing work to do work to do work all in an effort just to avoid how they actually feel. Mm-hmm. And then they end up you know, in the ER, right? Or they end up like going, now things are so bad, mm-hmm. I, I actually am a candidate for the medical model. Right. Sometimes from a lack of trying, because it's so overwhelming, or from trying so hard that they're actually putting themselves into damage and harm now too. Right. So if somebody
0: broke their wrist or sprained their wrist, they're not going to come see you. It's going to be before that point.
2: Right. Or but, but well often clients right.
1: do come to you if you right if yeah. it's with an injury. Yeah. Right?
2: So there's so let's talk about injuries, right? Because I think that's a good point. So yeah. injury means there is something acutely wrong, right? And it needs to be addressed medically. Pain is sometimes associated with that, more often than not, but it's not only associated with that. So we have physical pain in our body that can be caused by an acute injury. If I'm a car wreck, boom, 72 hours, you know, and then you have tissue damage that needs to heal as well. That's like six weeks to six months depending on the tissue we're talking about. Bones, collagen, skin, tongue, hair, right? Like all different mm-hmm. types of tissues, all different healing rates. But after that, if you're still having pain and you've healed your body, or your body's healed itself, there's something going on, right? And pain is a learned response to the environment you're going to protect you. So if you got hurt in a car wreck, and every time you reach over and push that, click that seatbelt in and start the car, and your body remembers the accident that it was in, and it associates that position with that trauma that it went through, you will probably have some residual pain. And you're going to feel that pain wherever you were the most traumatic in that incident. And that's different for everybody. Yeah. Right? Um, unfortunately, if you have to go to work every day and you have to use that car to get there, that becomes a limiting factor. And chronic pain is often associated with that, and that's something that we help people get out of.
1: Do you ever have clients that you've discovered, just to give people a background, you're yep. a massage therapist, yep. a certified strength coach, yes. and a certified hypnotherapist. Correct. And you're basically combining all the things to help people yeah. deal with their traumas and chronic pain. Yep. So have you ever had clients come in with emotional traumas? After working with them, you figure that they had an emotional trauma that showed up physically?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and I think that makes sense, right? Yeah. If you think about it. So if someone has high blood pressure because they're stressed out, that's a, a physical reaction to an emotional response to an environment they're putting themselves in. And some people wouldn't feel that same thing in that environment. So what's uniquely different about this person that that is a stressful situation for them? Mm -hmm. They're getting paid to be there, right? It's their job or their family, whatever. Hopefully they're getting paid emotionally Uh, There's some reason why they're showing up every day and can't not show up. But that environment's causing stress. Why is it there, right? And that's kind of where we try to figure out why, what. And so a really useful thing to do would be like, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, I'm sad, I'm overwhelmed, um, I'm anxious. What are some other common feelings? Those are kind of the ones, right? So like, if you're trying to change and you get stuck, you're gonna feel frustrated, you're gonna feel anxious. I don't have the skills, oh my gosh. There's not enough resources, so like, I'm unmotivated. Mm -hmm. I have no idea where to start, so I'm confused. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a good action plan, so I've started and stopped so many times because the plan I'm doing is someone else's plan that I'm trying to do for myself, but I'm not that person. Right. Um, so if someone's having those experiences, you can do a really simple test. Why am I anxious? Mm-hmm. And you're going to come up with an answer. Usually it's an external reason about the environment. And you're like, okay, well, why is that? Mm-hmm. Then you're going to come up with another external reason. And then why is that true for me? And then you're going to come up with a more closely related one. It'll be kind of timely to the moment. And then the question will be like, well, how long is that been there? Why is that there? And then you kind of get a bigger story about something that usually happens from like 0 to 12. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we're like in our emergent learning phase. Mm-hmm. Meaning you are learning that the world is the way it is. And so mm-hmm. things happen to you and you just believe that it's true. Right. So if you get attacked by a dog, right? You're like, oh, dogs are bad. And then that's all you believe.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I carry that with you throughout. Forever. Yeah. yeah. And so now you're like, okay, well, why do I believe? Clearly, you don't think that. You don't think that. And I don't think that, just so the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just for the record. Just for the record. <laughs> uh, but I did have a dog by my face when I was five years old. I had a bologna sandwich. It was bigger than me. It had the bologna sandwich when we were done. And I had a hole in my face. I I like three of them. So technically, I should be afraid of dogs, right? But I'm not. Um, and so I don't know why that is, for me, different than someone else. Um, I love dogs, right? Um, so it's interesting, because that belief kind of sticks with you. And it's not always consistent. You can't predict it, right? So asking the five whys when you're feeling those emotions gets you kind of down to that core trait. And I think oftentimes when people are doing business mastery or self-mastery stuff, they're consciously analyzing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, I I was eight and that thing happened and I feel this and that's probably why it's there. And you're like, great. But it still does not change the physical or like the physiology when you're experiencing that situation. You're still in that situation, that dog still comes at you. Mm -hmm. You still are like anxious and afraid, even Mm -hmm. if it's a small dog and you're a giant person. Right. You still can't help that reaction, right? And a lot of people are very similar to the biomedical model. They're like, well, that's just how things are. You're that person now. Sorry, deal with it. Right. Um, And I think, you know, top therapists, like psychologists, would say that's not true. We can do that over time. We can be aware of it. Once we're aware of it, now it's on our radar. We could change it. And like AA groups talk about that, like NA groups, like, okay, I have a problem, I'm aware of it, and then you create a social environment where now you can be social and get rid of that stuff, and maybe you can affect it that way. Um, But I think that they still have those cravings, right? They say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, so they still have that feeling when they're in those environments. So I think there's something else that you can do too that a lot of people don't talk about, and that's where the hypnotherapy comes in, Mm -hmm. is that you directly intervene by creating the same mental state that you did when you learned that behavior originally. And in your mind's eye with the power of your imagination, you relive a similar type of experience in that moment where you know you're comfortable and relaxed. And you can bring up a thought that normally stresses you out when you experience it firsthand, but because you're in a relaxed, hypnotic state, it can't have the same physiological reaction at the same time. Interesting. And so you're really using the power of your own perception and experience and relaxation to recreate environments that typically stress you out when you're just running that program. Mm-hmm.
0: So something you talk about is taking breakdowns and transforming them into breakthroughs. Yeah. So is that how you get to that point through the hypnotherapy?
2: That is typically, so there's a conscious intervention, right? Because it's like, don't feel that. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't work. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you have that feeling consciously, here's some strategies that might work, right? And th- that would be different. Breathing, everyone talks about that. Let's take five deep breaths. ten deep breaths, breathing in and out. That works. Not poo-pooing that. Okay, that definitely is helpful. (laughs) Again, for the record. (laughs) But, uh, you know, some people have more control over that stuff than others because sometimes that intensity of that learned response is higher than others. Mm -hmm. So I can tell someone breathe and they're like laughing at you, right? Because this person is on hair just to get through their day so that would be like a laughable response right. and it would be disingenuous to say that to somebody Right. Um, but there's someone else who's like yeah you know what I tried the breathing and like I'm pretty good mm. great mm. enjoy the rest of your life like this is awesome yeah. right? Yeah. don't ever see me again this is perfect <laughs> excellent high <five. laughs> um, but if you just were left with a eventually I think over time you could train that out because we do learn. Adults have neuroplasticity. We can relearn stuff, right? It just takes reps. Reps and reps and reps. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors thinks it takes 3,000 reps to learn a new movement pattern. So like with shoulder pain and stuff like that you can make an intervention and then you have to put good movement on top of the bad movement. So you have to make that intervention and in a very short window retrain that pattern. And you have to do that 3,000 times. I think that that's a lot of homework for people. And I think we're asking a lot from people if we're asking them to do that. Um, So I'm a big fan of placing an intervention in the moment, but then also having that not be our only thing. Because if it was left up to me to do 3,000 reps, like, it's hard to me Is like, yeah, I'm motivated, but, like, that's a lot. Yeah, but at the same time. And if I'm angry and pissed off and I'm not able to think logically, I'm thinking emotionally, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking physiologically, like, that emotion is real in our body. It's an experience if you're crying at a Kleenex commercial, like, (laughs) we're clearly susceptible to that. That's not like, oh, I'm macho, so it doesn't affect me. Like, "Mm, no, it still does, right? Maybe just because you're better at hiding it. You're also drinking a fifth of vodka every night. Like, I don't know, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) So I like the creating the same type of brain state that people learned that behavior in the first place Mm -hmm. and giving them an option to learn something different.
0: But in a safe environment, right? 100%. Right. And I think that's key because... Mm -hmm in order to really, like, tap into your subconscious and really understand what's going on, you have to feel safe. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. So there. So let's talk about that, right? Let's, please. <laughs> so there are people that um, are so anxious in situations that they will escape into a hypnotic state because of that. Hmm. Without knowing
0: that they're entering into a Correct. hypnotic state? To protect themselves, right?
2: Yeah. So um, anytime you're having a physiological withdrawal from your environment, you are entering into a hyper-suggestible state. Okay, this is fun. There are interesting people out there. Their job is to extract information from people who are diabolically opposed to giving that information. Mm -hmm. And for everyone's safety, they have to go do this work. Whether they like it or not, it's their orders, and they do. And to extract that information, they create an environment. Mm -hmm. And the environment is, this person that they're interrogating does not have sleep. They don't have food. Alright, now they don't have sleep, they don't have food. We're going to create a threat on their life or people that they care about's life that they can have no control over. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to do that a lot. Mm -hmm. And then we're just going to ask them a lot of questions. We're going to ask them so many questions that they can't remember what the answers to their questions were. And we're going to ask them really, really quick. So we're going to overload them and they can no longer respond appropriately and we're going to bypass all their ability to uh, control their thought process and their responses Then they're just going to say whatever is probably the truest mm-hmm. and that's not actually viable because they just say stuff to get people away from them mm-hmm. but that is a hypnotic state when they induce that much anxiety they get hyper suggestible and now they're just going to say anything to anybody to get it to stop and that's a that is a, an escape like withdrawal state. So for someone who's
0: not being interrogated, yeah. but let's say is just extremely anxious about a
2: certain situation, they can also bring themselves to that point, too. So how many people do you know that didn't get eight hours of sleep last night? Check one. All right. How many people do you know that haven't eaten in the last three hours some type of protein? Right? How many people do you know that are coming off of a withdrawal from caffeine right now? Okay. And then how many people are worried about something that's not inside of their own? Everyone. Everyone. So how many people do you think are in a hypnotic, hyper-suggestible state right now? I'd
0: say a good amount.
2: Yeah. Are you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you pass by a billboard, and it's this happy person, and that person's smiling and laughing, and they have something in their hand. And everyone looks at them and they're like, consciously, like, <laughs> clearly this person's paid model. They're probably not happy. They're just good at looking like they're happy. right? And they have that whatever it is in their hand, right? Huh. But because we're hypersuggestible at that moment when we see it, even if we're not paying attention to it, that image still comes in, and now we have that association implied happiness with this, boom. And the hard part is it creates an aspirational, hypersuggestible thing, too, because you're like, I'm not happy currently, and that person is so I want to be happy and everybody has in innate drive to want to be happy. And then they associate that with whatever's in that in that hat.
1: Brainwashing. Uh,
2: whatever. <laughs> <laughs> culture. It's culture. It's culture. Yeah. I go right to the conspiracy theory. <laughs> and yeah. I'm having a jump by the conspiracy theory. Yeah. It's uh, it's that's what culture is. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. yeah. Um, and that's why it's so weird and like disoriented when you go to another culture that you've never visited before because you don't understand those subtle cues mm-hmm. so you don't know how to respond so you you're like you can't really be responsible for your actions because you're not able to respond because you don't understand the cultural cues because you haven't been suggested you over and over and over and over again so you don't know how to respond to that new stuff mm-hmm. so that's that social part of the biopsychosocial mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
1: well going back to your point of we're, I mean, we take care of babies by putting them to sleep, eating them on a schedule, right? Yep. Shouldn't we do the same thing?
2: Yeah. Adulting's <laughs> rough, bro. <laughs> yeah. I uh. mean,
1: you're describing that as literally a torture method that is done. No sleep, no <laughs> food.
2: That's Ambitant how they do it. threat. Ambitant threat. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yes. And we do that to ourselves. Almost on the dailies of many of us. On the daily. And then... Sadly, the truth is someone that, you know, has a ton of anxiety says, ah, oh, there's something wrong with me. Let me go see a psychiatrist or someone that can help me and prescribe me a pill. Yeah. So now they're not sleeping, not eating, and taking a prescription pill to deal with the problem.
2: Yeah. And so when you look at the biopsychosocial model, you're not looking off of the diagnoses, right? You're looking off of an, an entire model that person is, how they show up in the world, what they're trying to accomplish, and what their life would look like, and how it's different than it is now, and then how you can make that impact, right? And what's the low-lying fruit, right? And uh, my strength training background, there's a guy, Dan John, who's like a strength coach, and he's like, my job is easy. My intake is, okay, here's five movements, squat, deadlift, press, pull, carry. And he asks him, so what do you do for your workout? And they tell him the three things they're doing, and he picks the two that aren't on their list. He does the two with them, boom, they're amazing. Results through the roof, and everyone's like, you're a genius. And he's like, I'm not a genius. I'm just looking at the two things they're not doing and just giving them that back. And then everything else gets better. It's amazing. And it's the same thing when you go to a doctor with a broken arm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that doesn't look good. Let's get these two things pretty close together, and then let's keep it in that position for as long as the body needs to heal it where it feels safe. Mm-hmm. And if the body feels safe for long enough, it'll heal itself. We're not doing any dramatic interventions. They're not needed. Mm-hmm. Look right. at the things that aren't working. Give the body what it needs. Create a safer environment like you would for a baby.
1: I mean, we love to overcomplicate things. And at the same time, we want the one quick fix. Right. We want the pill. Because it's too complicated to figure out. Just give me the one thing that's going to fix everything.
2: Yeah, and I think it, well, that comes down to like a commodization of people, right? So Henry Ford... Sorry, this is like the economic, all right. Get into it. So Henry Ford, he's like, I can pay people more to work at my factory because I have this system. And because the system's so efficient, I can pay people more because I get more from them out of their same time and attention. Mm
3: -hmm. And then
2: that's the new model, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, factory workers, here we go. Boom, industrialization, awesome, right? And everything's machine parts. And then people are just there to make the machines work. And then they're taking the, the important work done by the machine, and we're just there to keep it going, right? Cool. So let's educate people just enough so they can work at that factory. Let's keep them healthy enough just so they can do that. How much health does it really take to push a button? Right? Mm-hmm. Not a lot. No. Great. And then it's like efficient use of resources and all the market, whatever, and that's fine. But I don't think we live in that society anymore feel like the labor we do now isn't physical labor, and I don't actually think it's intellectual lo- labor anymore. Like, if I want to know the name of, uh, at the, the the Boston Tea Party, I don't know the name of the group that dropped the tea in, mm-hmm. but I could look it up mm-hmm. probably faster than, like, I could remember my mom's phone number, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. Like, I'm like, six, six, oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's 11 in there, but... Yeah. I don't even, I don't know her phone number. That's my If I get in jail and I need to call somebody, I'm in trouble, right? Like, yeah. but I could look up the name of the group that threw the tea and the, and, the, and what lake it was in and what ship they were on. Like, So I don't need to be intelligent anymore either. But what I do need to do is have emotional intelligence, be able to interact with people like that boss and not have to hate me. I do need to have emotional intelligence with myself and take care of that. And if you're not taking care of your health, sleeping, eating, Right? and if you're worried about things that are outside your control and you're beating yourself up on it because of some limiting belief you are putting yourself in a hyper festival state and you're circling the drain every day because people are taking advantage of that environment to sell you stuff that you don't need and you're in trouble absolutely Yeah.
0: well and then it can manifest into the physical too as we were talking about before You know, one thing that I thought was super interesting when we first met mm-hmm. I had sprained my wrist yeah. and you pointed out to me <laughs> You're like, what's what's going on for you? You mm-hmm. know, Because I'm sure, because I fell. Yeah. You're like, why did you fall? Mm-hmm. And then when we started talking about it, we were diving in a little bit deeper. I was in a very large state of stress at that point. I was going, going, going nonstop. And this was a physical manifestation of, hey, you need to slow down. Yeah. So can you touch on that a little bit, on how that happens, how your body realizes that? I mean, because in, in just my conscious mind, I fell.
2: Right? Absolutely. I, I, just, yeah.
0: I fell. And that's yeah. how I but really, once you dive deeper, I was realizing, wow, that really was a huge sign that I was going, 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 going. I needed to slow down. Yeah,
2: so um, that hyper suggestible person. Mm. The reason why they're hyper suggestible is because they can't respond in the environment. So they're just stuck on taking things that not happen to them. Like we talk about like victim mindset versus growth mindset, fixed mindset versus like growth mindset. That hypersuggestible state is a state where you are in a fixed mindset because you don't have the threshold to respond to your environment. So anything that happens to you, you just take it, right? There's something in uh, the manual therapy stuff that I learned uh, from an acronym, P-DTR, proprioceptive deep tenor reflex. It's interesting. Uh, Jose Palomar, I think i am saying his name right. Anyway, smart guy, he's a surgeon, and he was like, of tired of doing surgery on people, just like Dan and John, I feel like there may be a simpler way to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's look. And so we started looking at biomechanics and ways to manipulate people's uh, perception through their skin, which is how we kind of take information through them. Mm-hmm. And so if you put pressure on ligaments and stretch them, the body would be like, oh, I don't think that feels safe. So instead of allowing you to move into it, it actually inhibits your ability to contract those muscles and create force. And so then you're not able to create that movement. So you withdraw away from pain, move towards pleasure, and it's a safety mechanism. And that's how your body always works when it comes into movement. The idea is if I'm in a hyper-suggestible state, my body doesn't feel safe. Any activity I do, I have to build a respond to my environment. I'm doing a really crappy job at that. I step off the curb. I bobble on my ankle. My body can't respond fast enough to make up for it. Boom. I now roll my ankle. I might step off the curb, terrible. Three, if I walk a dog, and the dog's pulling, they're not well trained like my dog is on a leash. <laughs> that might be every day. Yeah. But why is it on the Wednesday three weeks ago that I finally rolled my ankle? And there's something to that, right? I do it every day. Why was it that one time? And our tendons are freaking strong. They can pull a Mack truck, right? You can put it at like a twelve, like a V12. Pulling another B twelve apart from the tendon yeah. that can handle that force, so we are super resilient. We just can be broken very simply.
1: Yeah, it's super interesting.
2: Yeah, But I mean, it
1: makes total sense though.
2: It does, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when we think about things as separate, like oh, the biology is the biology, and the mechanics is the mechanics, and the physiology, the chemical is the chemical, and then the social is different. Church is different than all this. Stuff. Yo, when I'm in church and I'm feeling good, that is a. Chemical reaction in my body that is happening. Mm -hmm. Those are endorphins, serotonin, right? Talk to each other, talk to your neighbor, say hi, welcome them, give them a hug. That's oxytocin right there. Oh yeah. We're all drug addicts. We are all drug addicts. We're all on drugs.
1: Yeah. It's true. The opposite is true. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Joe Dispenza. Yeah. 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 He has amazing work. He has a book called Supernatural and Breaking the Habit of Being You. And in that book. He describes how we literally become addicted to our stress hormones so we might be running these old programs of for example I feel really guilty for no reason so you feel guilt when you're around someone blaming yourself over apologizing for certain scenarios and you become used to running that program that you're always at fault because our body's pumping that chemical, it becomes a- accustomed to pumping the stress hormones. Yeah. And the second that you decide to become aware of, wait a second, why am I always feeling guilty? I'm not going to do that anymore. The second that you make the decision to, and then you start to implement the change, your body sends a st- signal to your brain saying, hey, we're not getting that hit anymore of that chemical. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And it's literally like a, an addiction to a drug. Yep. So it sends a signal saying, "Hey, she's not giving us the hit. What's going on here?" And then you start to produce the thoughts of falling back into the pattern of, yep. "Oh, maybe, maybe not today. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try that tomorrow." Yeah. Trippy. Yeah. Yep. And that's something you talk about a
0: lot too. With change your mind, change your results. Yep.
2: You gotta. You have to change the physiology of your mind, right? And then where does the physiology come from? That physiology is a response to the environment where you're like, oh, this is the time that I know to do that thing, mm-hmm. right? Whatever yeah. that trigger is, right? Yeah. And then yeah. the question is, okay, well, why do I feel that trigger? And then you're going to tell the story. And then that story is the important part. And I think the interesting part about the story is it's like just one, but it's an accumulative one that makes your identity, right? Right. Um, like you point to a picture of a two-year-old and you're like, that's me. And you're like, clearly that's not you, Hannah. You are not a two-year-old. So what do you explain? Like, you sound like a crazy person. But none of us none of us say that, right? Because we understand, we infer that that used to be you, right? But in your belief system, that is a whole story about who you are today. And the funny part is, to like, to Joe Dispenza's point, like, that's all a story. Mm-hmm. It's not actually true. But because you tell the story and you experience the telling of that in your body, it is now true. For all intents and purpose, because it's a perception that you experience when you're telling that story and you're imagining it in your mind, and that's the power of imagination.
1: Right, power of the mind.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, which then leads us to that we are the solution to all of our own problems, right?
2: You got it. So I and I, uh, there's this really weird part. So if you're the solution, that's the good news, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, stop looking at that billboard with the person with the thing to make you happy, like. 'Cause you're gonna get that thing and you're like, I'm clearly not as happy as that person was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> this Do I need three of them? Yeah. Is it six? It's thirty-six. Oh, oh gotta keep going. Gotta keep, keep going, going, right? It was on sale at Ralph's. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then and then that's weird, right? Because you're like that person was happy. I did the thing that's supposed to make me happy. I don't feel the happiness. Oh, what's that mean about me? And then there's this extra uh blaming the victim thing. Right? So when I say the words, like, you are the solution, I'm, it's a hopeful message mm-hmm. saying, like, stop looking outside yourself. You are the common denominator between all these things going on. And then the bad news part about that is if that that's the good news is, like, oh, if you're the, the solution, then you, you are also, mm-hmm. by the way, the problem. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. FYI. Yeah.
2: And that's not very cool, right? Because, like, let's say you're a person, you're going about your business, and a big dog comes and steals your sandwiches and bites your face, like... You're a four year old. Like, are you really the problem in that situation? Like, no. And so it sounds. I like mean, that baloney <laughs> sandwich though. <so. laughs>
1: and your face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's <just> so <laughs> eatable. <laughs> right.
2: And and like you're that that child is clearly a victim in that situation, right? Um, and then at twelve, like I would say, they're still the problem. Like they're still the victim. But at a certain point, you have to show up and own your life. Like you have to decide like. I don't like what's happening anymore, and I want to experience something different, like you said. And then, then you do the real work, right? And that's like what we're all here to do is to figure that out. Yeah. And the hard if part is, if you're willing like, to do the work, exactly. a
1: lot of people are, are not.
2: Well, I think it's tough. Like we talked it about, it is like, tough. Exactly. You gotta have vision. You gotta have resources. You have skills. You gotta have an incentive. And if you're of the mindset that you're not worth investing in, you'll never have the incentive because you're you're in the stuck in this uh, belief loop. But basically, I'm not worth investing in, so I'm not going to take the time to invest in myself, whether it's money, time, effort, it doesn't matter. Because it won't pay off, because I'm a bad investment, because I'm broken. Because when I try those things that didn't work, it didn't make me feel any different, so there must be something wrong with me. Good for you, I'm glad that worked for you, but it's not for me. right? And then you're in trouble, because if you believe that, it is true. And so people get really stuck in Yeah.
1: And all yeah, or in the mindset that you don't have control over it. Uh, I mean, yep. Most people just don't want to believe that they have control of how their life plays out. Because if they have control, then they're responsible. If it doesn't work out the way they want Much it to. easier to blame the barista for messing up your coffee right. And everybody else.
2: Yeah, yes. And then there's this other piece of it that's like, but there's still that four-year-old. And so, like, that mindset, like... It's, it's It reinforces itself, so it's stuck. And like, if you're not in that mindset, you can look at somebody and be like, well, what's wrong with you? Get out of that mindset. But that's not cool, right? Yeah. It's not helpful. Yeah, no. right. Yeah, no. right. And so the question is, okay, well, why is that mindset there? Why does it serve you? Why is it there? Like, it exists for a reason. It's trying to protect you from something. It's not dumb or silly or stupid. The body isn't dumb or silly or stupid. It's smarter than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. If someone's shoulder hurts, there's a reason why. We've got to figure out why. Right? And the body's just warning us. Like, hey, something needs to change. And you're like, all right, well, what is it? Mm-hmm. We can talk about the biomechanics of the shoulder. We can talk about proprioception of the skin and the mechanoreceptors that are in there. We can talk about how they use it. Or we can talk about every time that they click that seatbelt it touches their shoulder, it might them the time they broke their collarbone in that same right, car. Right. Or maybe they're really stressed out at work and they hate their boss and their job, but the owners want to do it because they have three kids at home, and they would love to quit, but they can't. And so they feel the weight of the world on their shoulder. Right. right, and you
1: couple that with some traumatic childhood experiences that they might be playing out, and this just you know a little bit off topic, but it also is another thing to take note that you should never take anything personally. Yeah, because people, you know, people are lashing out. You know, for example, the coffee lashing at the barista for making your coffee wrong. It's not really the person that made your coffee that's the problem. Right. There's usually a multitude of other things going on.
2: Yeah. So hurt people hurt people.
1: Yeah. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. But you don't get out of childhood without getting hurt. Right. So, like, that's not an excuse. you got to figure out why. Right? right. So you have to have enough courage to ask yourself those five whys. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're definitely building up against what you know. And to step into the unknown is inherently painful because you, you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So the reason why people are killing themselves with cigarettes and heroin and food and activities, even though they're they're addicted to that, and they know it, and the fear of the unknown is actually a larger fear than anything else. Mm-hmm. And like this is a mammal thing; like mammals do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're addicted to something and you're a lab rat and there's an electrified floor to get to the thing you're addicted to, you will continue to electrocute yourself to get to that thing. Mm -hmm. And you'll still do it, just because you're addicted to it. You will literally hurt yourself to get something that's pleasurable, Mm -hmm. because that's all you know.
0: Which also is kind of a great example of people that continue, if they're looking for love, they continue to get into the same types of relationship over and over that continue to hurt them because they think that that's the path to love. They think that this type of person is who they are meant to love or who they need to love. So they keep electrocuting themselves over and over again to get to that point um, instead of looking for another solution. Yeah.
2: Right, and
1: it's familiar.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's, in the, it's what they yeah. you know. Right? Exactly.
2: So yeah. it's less scary to stay in that unsafe environment because it's their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. When you build your comfort zone in an unsafe environment, mm-hmm. there's gonna be some trauma in your day-to-day life. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the hard part is is you're in that withdrawal state, you're overloaded. So now you're susceptible to anything that person says or does or any thought you have that's negative about yourself. Mm-hmm. So then it perpetuates itself. So like that's a pretty bleak picture, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, yeah, my God. We're going to wrap this on a good note. <laughs> right? Uh, but, like, Jung, like Carl Jung, so he's, like, a Freud's, like, counter, like counterpart. He was like, Freud, you're weird. Like, you've done way too much cocaine. Yeah. Your stuff about sex is way too weird. I'm not a fan of this. I'm out. I'm going to think about some other stuff. But he talks about if you want to look at society's ills, all you have to look at is someone's own fears. And it reminds me of like the little kid who's in his bed and he's like, "I'm scared. The monster's in the closet. The monster's under the bed." And a parent clearly knows that that is not true, but right. he still appeases him and goes and looks, right? Right, right. And then he's like, "No monsters here." Mm-hmm. But the whole time, the monsters aren't out there. They're in the child's mind. Exactly. And I would continue to argue that that's still true no matter what oh, age my gosh, you are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you're taking your own fears, your own insecurities, you're believing them, and then you're projecting them out to the world and then you're acting as if those were real. And by acting as if they're real, you create them, mm-hmm. and then you reinforce them, and then they are real.
1: Right, and it's a subconscious fear. It's a, a subconscious of, fear. A lot of times you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Yeah. You're not even aware of it. It's so interesting. So I've been doing a lot of this subconscious reprogramming. i yeah. talking to Alyssa about it, doing all these different meditations, free and native. I don't know if you've heard no, of free and yeah, native. Um, she puts out all these hypnotic, meditations and journal prompts that you go yep. through so I'm a big meditator Cool. and I will meditate before it and try to really quiet my mind in the last couple of days so interesting that you just said fear of the unknown the last you feel that little kick that I you know it's just kicking me <laughs> under the table like you gonna fucking talk about it <laughs> you going to yeah. talk about your problems <laughs> <laughs> so I've been meditating the last two days and it like the mind so trippy Um, I've been asking myself, okay, what is blocking myself? Literally, the past two days. Yesterday, I got a clear message. My my mind was totally quiet. I asked myself, okay, why am I block? Where am I blocking myself? Yesterday, clear message, fear of success. Mm. Then went into the subconscious, reprogrammed the hypnotic thing, literally traced it back to a memory, Mm. reprogrammed the memory. Today did the same thing, got really, really quiet, asked myself again, I said, okay, where else am I blocking myself?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Clear message, fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Traced it back to all these different memories and how I linked it to not trusting myself, linked it to all these crazy different memories. That It's so crazy when you're in that state, these memories that come up that you would never have ever consciously thought of mm-hmm. pop up and you're like, Whoa! Oh my god! And you're just making all these like crisscrosses, patterns, but it is a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a total trip.
2: Yeah, yeah, because there's the stuff that happens to you, which is the event, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's the story you tell about the event, which is how you create meaning. And so when you go back as a rational adult that can fend for themselves in this world mm-hmm. with your best self and your wisest self that you are in this moment now, you can go back and you can relook at those meanings. And you can decide, was that, is that what it really meant? Or was that something that I took in at the time? And is it true now? And if the answer is no, then it's like, okay, do I want to continue to believe that now moving forward? And if the answer is no, then you have to let that go, right?
1: Right. And as a kid, you're just doing the best that you could in that scenario to protect yourself. Always. So, And you don't know any better. You don't. So, you know, in that scenario, you're protecting yourself so that, you know, either you didn't don't get hurt or whatever. But you're still running that program as an adult.
2: And when it's no longer serving you, and it's causing a breakdown, Mm -hmm. that's an opportunity. It's actually an opportunity because it means this subconscious fear has now been brought to the surface despite all of your best efforts. And now you're stuck. And you can either run and cope, like I did for a very long time, but that only works for so long, because then you have to create another coping mechanism to deal with that one. Mm -hmm and then another one to do with that one mm-hmm. and then I'm and we talk about that with like medications right like oh I took this medication but it has these side effects great so need another here's this one and exactly. here's this one and in my life it was like okay I have this problem so what am I going to do I'm going to run literally run from it but to it but no just from it and then that's going to actually create a problem and then I'm going to have a problem I have to deal with for that and then that's going to create a problem and then I'm going to do something else to do with that and all of that was a distraction from the real work and it took me 15, 16 years to realize that I was actually the problem mm-hmm. um, and that all those issues that were a result of each one of those solutions to the problem made another problem. Mm-hmm. And if you have one problem and one solution, you're in trouble because that doesn't scale. Right? right? And we talk about this in business like, alright, so and so said this, just do that, it'll be fine. But if that's a problem that comes up a lot and you have to spend just as much work to undo the problem as you had to do to create it, now you can only do three things a day. And you never grow beyond your immediate future. And I think a lot of people that are afraid of success decide to work in their business and be busy because then they can use that as an excuse to not grow to the next level. That's my life. And then you're busy. I'm so busy, I can't I'm do the so thing.
3: Busy. I'm
2: busy. Because ah, I'm word. afraid of that subconscious thing and I got to put out all these fires because it's distracting me from the real one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's say somebody becomes aware of this. Yes. They become aware. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. Yep. Yeah. What would you suggest the first step in moving through and moving past this?
2: Why, 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 why? Done. Okay.
0: Well, the reason why I'm asking. you yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So that
2: you ask yourself why five times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it may take a few days, mm-hmm. right? Um, get some sleep. Eat some protein. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you'll feel a little better getting there. Give yourself a break. Pretend you were talking to a four-year-old, because you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get mad at yourself, like, you're a grown adult, figure it out, get your shiz together, lazy piece No, that's not helpful for anybody. No. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't blame the victim, because you are a victim, mm-hmm. right? Pretend you're talking to a four-year-old and be like, why? why, 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 why? That fifth why will give you some real real answers. And you'll kind of know. And now we're in a conscious awareness where it's there, but it doesn't change the pattern because you've been running for so long that neural network, that like actual physiology, the brain, the hardware, the tissue, the synopsis, all of that is real and hardwired into the brain. I would argue we need to create a more like emergent state mm-hmm. and go back and put you in an state where you're susceptible to suggestion and then you get fed back what you actually want to tell that story about, right? Mm-hmm. When someone does this, and I'm around it, I believe it means this about me. And that was something that I remembered from that one time when that thing happened when I was a kid and I inferred it, and that four-year-old's still present today when this shiz happens and I don't get enough sleep and I'm stressed out or whatever. And it stopped me from getting to that next level. This is the implicit belief that I took in from that experience. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have a time machine, we can't change that experience, we're not gonna change your memories, but is that story still true? If you were that child now, and you could care for that child, if you were the protector of that child in that moment, when that happened to him, what would you have said to that child then? What's the real truth of that?
1: Or what now? did you need in that situation? You got Love? It. Did you need to be seen? 100%. Mm-hmm.
2: You are yeah.
1: feeling unworthy of I, some sort. Yeah. Usually like it's
2: inside. not enough, not important, don't matter. Um, those are like common themes that come up, right? Yeah. And we get triggered in our personal relationships Absolutely. a lot by that. Oh know? yeah. And we also get triggered in our business by that. Right, and then we get triggered in our health things too. A lot of people use food because it's emotional anchors for a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. like, and so we, we cope with that, right? Mm-hmm. We hold on to the emotion by stuffing food in and keeping it in. It's like yeah. a very literal image of it. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't. think the mechanism of neuro, like I think a neurologist would be like, that's not how that works. <laughs> but I think all of us would be like. It is. <laughs> it's kind of that how that works. works. Like, yeah. I kind of feel like crap, and this doesn't feel good, but sugar feels good. Sugar feels really good. good and yeah, I feel good. And now I associate. When I feel bad, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go do that. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. But then, like, well, now I feel bad, and then I have type 2 diabetes. Right. Right? And now it's a real issue, but now I'm addicted to it because it's how I've been dealing with it. And now I'm distracted with dealing with this and fighting my judgment about myself that, like, I'm worthless or not mm-hmm. enough. And I'm like only using willpower, because you're like consciously aware that that's what you're doing. But like, our willpower kind of sucks. It's really good at keeping us doing what we're doing. It's really good at like logic is like okay, let me solve this problem reasonably. But all of that takes out our actual emotion, and I think our powers are in emotion. So in philosophy, there's something called the runaway trolley. Okay, so you're in San Francisco, Powell and Market. There's the trolley car comes down to the square. All of a sudden it goes off the tracks, it can't, the brake's not working, there's a thousand street performers down there with a thousand people watching them. It's Christmas, so it's all these nice people trying to buy gifts for other people, and all of a sudden there's probably three or four people on the trolley, and the trolley's run away, there's no way to stop it. If that trolley hits that crowd, people are going to die. It's gonna be a tragedy, right? Um, And it's not a terrorist that's doing this, it's just a mechanical error, okay? You have You have the power to pull the lever, and that lever will run the trolley into a building where no one is in front of. It's safe. The three people or four people on the trolley will be hurt, but you'll save the crowd from that abuse. Do you pull the trolley lever or not?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: (laughs) Great. Awesome. Most people say yes to that, right? Okay. Now we're in the same scenario, but the four people on the trolley will die. Do you still pull the trigger or not?
0: Do you know if anyone else will die if it goes into the crowd.
2: Yep. So you know that
0: multiple people more than four. More than four. Will die. Will die. And you only have these two options.
2: These are your two options.
0: You're probably still
2: do it. Probably. We went from absolutely to probably, right? Okay. Let's take the lever away. This time okay. it's not a lever, it's a person. Okay. They're a big person. Okay. You can trip them and push them in front of the trolley. That person would get hurt, that one person. The people on the trolley would live, the crowd would have no injuries, no damage, no nothing. Do you do it now?
1: Yes, you do I would.
2: You would do it. What about you, hang your trees on?
1: I couldn't do it.
2: Okay, so I now didn't. this is where, right, we talk about emotions. Math, mm-hmm. logic, reason, yes. Mm-hmm. Emotion, we're like, oh, yeah. like I get I it, did, yeah. like it makes sense, mm-hmm. like logically, yeah. I don't know if I could, mm-hmm. so, and then the hard part is, is while you're doing that math, you lose the opportunity, and then you watch that trolley go into the crowd, and you walk away knowing you could have done something, mm-hmm. and so then you have that guilt or emotional survivor's guilt or whatever guilt, right? All that happened to you. Mm-hmm. You weren't responsible for it. You're just around what happened, wrong place, wrong time. Right, right. And this is a very real scenario that we live in, not this runaway trolley example. Right, right, right. But, but this is very real. It's so then, the real question is, is there are people like Batman, who are heroes, mm-hmm. um, they would throw themselves in front of the drawing, mm-hmm. or they'd be smart enough to have a gadget there to do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we don't live in, you know, Chris Nolan's Batman, or like, yeah. Zach Snyder's Batman, right? <laughs> or, which is terrible. Anyway, <laughs> so we have real people that are uh, soldiers or uh, cops, and they're selfless people, but they're also willing to make those calls because they don't have that same emotional reaction. So well you're like, yes, I have to do this. I'm going to trip this man. And Hannah's like, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. And then you miss the opportunity. Someone else is like, the math makes sense. Boom. No emotional reaction. Right? And they're able to act upon that, for better or worse. We need a balance of these types of people to have a society where we all come together. Um, but that logic and reason and willpower is limited. Mm-hmm. Like, real quick, math, done. I got it. Right. But we're people because we have that emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, we're humans. Mm-hmm. And so, if we try to deny ourselves that emotional reaction to a trigger that's there, that's been programmed into us for a lifetime, from one meeting that happened when we were four, and we're like, Pfft, figure it out. Pfft, it's easy. The math makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're an idiot, right. or you're lazy or you're dumb or you're weak-willed or you're stupid these are all stories that are all bullshit absolutely like that's illogical for us to think that people could change just like that because logically it makes sense and I think you have to do a conscious intervention alright so when that happens I get triggered I need to breathe or I need to do this or I need to anchor or I need another way to do that like EFT is a cool thing Um, but then you also need to understand that story where it comes from be aware of it create the five whys get down to that story Get back into a hyper-suggestible hypnotic state where you can understand a new meaning with all your logic, reason, and willpower that you have now and take care of that person that had that experience and give them what they need so that way the new person that you are now today can have that experience and that love and that care and that affection, that understanding that compassion. And then when that thing happens to you, you can just act reasonably and logically without having all that emotional trigger and then all of the coping mechanisms that come from having that emotional trigger. So it all just comes down to figuring out why.
1: Step one, as always, awareness. Right. And then having the courage to question it once you become aware of it.
2: And then be ready to change. Yeah. Yeah. Which is scary. And,
1: and willing to and change. change. Yeah.
2: yeah. I have a cousin who took care of herself finally. And she went and got a, a surgery that helped her with overeating. And her life changed, man. Oh my gosh. Her family system changed, her home life changed, her career changed, her thoughts about herself changed, like every single imaginable thing changed. And it was not easy. And oh my gosh. the person she is now is not who she thought she would ever be mm-hmm. in every sense of that word. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's never been happier. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it was easy. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's the big thing to understand is none of everything that we've talked about today, it's not easy.
0: So that's where the willingness to be able to put in the work and do it has to come in. Yep. Because you can't change if you don't want to. Right. right? Yep. So if you're, you know, you're listening to this and you're like, yes, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. That's what You can think, oh, this is something I need to do. But if you don't want to do it, if, it, if you don't have that drive and that desire inside of you, you're not going to put in all of the work that it's going to take to
1: get there. Yeah. And unfortunately, it takes people hitting a rock bottom.
2: Typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it did for me many times, right? Yeah, um, me too. Every time I was like, oh, I'm doing good. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a point in time where I had, like, the house, the significant other, the dog, the job. And that was actually the most painful part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, physically painful, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought I had it all together. And I was like, I'm good. Resume checks out, bro Life is set. Yeah. I had I had four thousand dollars suits. I don't know how to, anywhere to wear them. I don't know why I had them in my closet. Right. I wish I had that money back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Different time. Yeah. Different
2: time. I have pictures that I don't want to look at. Right. Yeah. From that time. But, yeah. But uh, you know, everybody anyway. mm-hmm. has the suit. It went to you, so. good loose. He looks. He looks really good. I'm really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was actually the most painful physical part of my life, and I don't think it was from anything physically I was doing, mm-hmm. even though I was doing a ton of physical interventions for it. it mm-hmm. was a bunch of other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Which
0: is so funny that you say that, because I was in a very similar situation. I was married, had the place, had the job, had the pet, I was, you know, same. All the boxes checked, and I was in so much physical pain in that at that mm. point of my life, and at the time, I didn't realize. I remember at one point um, saying, oh, you know, I notice when I'm really stressed out, I get this pain in my gut. But I didn't think enough about it, and I didn't care enough to figure out what it was at that time. And then when you, now stepping back and looking back and realizing, wait, all of the boxes that society tells me that I should check in order to be happy were checked. And I was in all this physical pain I was not happy as I thought I should be. Mm. Um, it really brings a lot of light light to the situation, and you have to go through that process and figure out what you need.
2: Well, I hope like sharing these stories and like creating a framework for it like that's the biopsychosocial model, right? Exactly. Like, if you would have shown up at an MD's, like I don't know, mm-hmm. but there's little let's run all these diagnostics that are super expensive, right. um, but are reimbursed by insurance, which is great. But give you no conclusive results at all. Right. And then you're like, they're like, and then you, then they're like, maybe it's in your head, right? And then you would talk to someone. They're like, um, it seems like you have everything. You're like, I'm not depressed. I'm not angry. You're anxious. Like I have all. What are you talking about? My life is great. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, then what the hell is this? Right. right? And because the medical model is based upon the biomedical model, um, there's no return now at that point. It's pretty limiting. So I think that's why there's alternative or holistic, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, is like, I don't know, $44 billion or $88 billion a year, because the model that we have in place isn't, isn't it. It's not the real model. It's, the market is clearly saying, this model is not enough. Mm-hmm. It needs to be better.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why there are people like you. That's yeah. why I have a job. Yeah.
2: I could very easily be put out of a job. if like the medical model is just like, you know, we're going to look into that a little bit more. It sounds like it's something that we can't do a double-blind study on Mm -hmm. um, because you can't do that. There's no such thing as sham touch, right? So you can't do a double-blind study on that. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a conversation with someone and not affect the person that's in front of you with your belief system, your ideas, your demeanor. In fact, like hanging out, listening to someone share their story, Mm -hmm. reflecting back to them what you've heard in a way that they know they've been seen, heard, and felt, and then commiserating with them in a compassionate way offering an opportunity for them to see things slightly different in a way that makes sense. In fact, probably more sense than how they're seeing it originally. Absolutely. You can't do a double-blind study on that. You can't fake that. No. Right? And there's no inner practitioner reliability on that either. Mm -hmm. So all of the gold standards that we use in medicine and science don't apply to that situation. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. Right. And so I, I get it. I get why they're like, you know, head of the sand, kind of like ostrich stuff, because mm-hmm. it's hard to feel comfortable and certain about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they're responding to the same thing, fear of the unknown. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no way to create certainty out of that, mm-hmm. by definition. Mm-hmm. So it will always be unknown. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're always afraid of that. Yep. So, you know, it's funny because it's like the proof is in the system that shows that the system needs the thing that they're afraid. Right. to. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, right? Like, they're like, wait, wait. All the way down, it's like that.
1: Yeah. What? Something has to change. I mean, it's a broken model. It's so broken. something has to change. And what's changing is people are going to see people like yourself finding health coaches. Yeah. Seeing a hypnotherapist, they're they're going out and doing the holistic healing that they need. Yeah. Because they're typical model is not providing it for them yeah so the more that people don't heal mm-hmm. the the structure i think will eventually have to change itself
2: it, it has to it, it, it will By by, like the forces of the market will make it change like mm-hmm. there's no way absolutely right? like, like passion driven people who care about others that right. are willing to put their necks out there because they realize it's broken and they're not going to allow that to like happen on their watch are going to be the people that change it. Right, right. And it's happening. Now. It is yeah. happening. Yeah. There is
1: an awakening.
2: Yeah. And I think we see that shift even with, like, talking about the chemistry part, right? Like, uh, psilocybin, Spina, what's his name? Sorry. Uh, oh, Joe Dispenza. Dispenza. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you were close. Pretty close. Yeah. That's another guy that yeah. is in the movement. Anyway. But yes, more how thought pattern is yeah. him,
1: Bruce Lipton is another guy yeah, and yeah. Greg Braden. Yeah, they're like kind of the trio that are that. bringing the mystical merging it with science. Yeah. So yep. now they have the actual science to back up that your thoughts affect your physiology. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the more that those guys are out there talking about it and yep. you know you We're see talking what about what
0: it and kind of everybody's yeah. just talking about it. Yeah.
2: Well with the like DMT and psilocybin, so it basically represses your ability to run the program that is you. So you have this neural network where you basically catalog everything through that neural network based upon the narrative that you've told. It creates these ruts in the brain, so you experience the actual physical sensations through this physical body that creates a thought, belief, idea, emotion, chemical reaction that then has mechanical processes that go through. So it's, it's all one thing, right? And then you take that and you put a drug in it that it can no longer run that program. That neural network is a shutdown. It'd be like if the 405, the 710, the 5, the 91 were all blocked up with gridlock traffic. Sig alert on all of them. You still got to get places. Mm-hmm. So then now you start rewiring and reconnecting new ways to accomplish the same task. The drug's out of your system. Now you have options. You can run the main neural network or you can run only side programs and you can make new connections, new ideas, new beliefs and so someone like Terrence McKenna who's eaten way more mushrooms than probably is like humanly like supposed to be a thing um, he has so many synopsises that he's making cultural connections between all of these things we're talking about in one sentence where you're like listening to like a two minute talk and you're like well I'm gonna think about that for 30 years. Thanks, <laughs> Awesome. I wish that's you had generous. died earlier yeah. so you could have to the end of your learning sooner, right? <laughs> and it's an example of that result. I, I'm not saying it wasn't really man before, right? but to be able to make all those connections all those different synopsis understanding through all of that and be able to create a new experience and then use analogy and language to explain it to anybody else who hasn't had that experience, we all grow from that. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool.
1: Right, and something like psilocybin, enables you to question yeah. everything, yeah. including authority, maybe your government. Yeah. <laughs> you be a conspiracy theorist. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. why are they illegal, you know? Right. It's just a, it it enables you to question, not to be such a conspiracy theorist, but question your own programs, your own patterning, yeah. the world around you, your own environment, Yeah. and you're open. <laughs> you're open to possibilities.
2: So the big five, right? Openness, agreeableness, I forget the other three, whatever. They're big, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's They're the big, big five for big test, And I don't know if it's generally accepted, science is still out, whatever, right? They say once you've done psilocybin, your openness has changed. Hmm. So that's it. You're like, cool, what else? And so there's this idea, like you talk about growth mindset, mm-hmm. fixed mindset. So I think, uh, and people talk about that a lot, and I think it's pretty cool. But if you're in a hyper suggestible state and you're in a withdrawal state, right, you are in a fixed mindset. And you're stuck in that pattern that believes itself that you're not worthy. It's just this broken thing. I think a growth mindset is like playing improv, where the whole thing is like, oh, I'm an elephant? Excellent. If I'm an elephant and I'm talking, what else is true? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if that's true, then what else? Right. And then you continue to on. Right? And so that would be that openness. Like, oh, if that's true, what else is true? If that's true, what else is true? If that's true, what else is true? Mm -hmm. And you're able to make amazing connections and, like, shift ways of thinking. Break out of the box and completely disrupt every industry you operate in. Usually, your own mindset, your own belief, your own stuff, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a huge, another key to the, to the, or whatever, piece of the puzzle is yep. you have to be open right. to you really possibility. To you have right. to have awareness and you have to have openness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's, change.
2: that's my sales pitch, right? So, if you're tired, you've tried everything. Like, literally, you feel like you've tried everything. Um, you're tired of the false starts, you're anxious, you're frustrated. You're unmotivated, right? Um, You 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 really actively are aware that things that you're doing aren't working, but it's not getting there. Then it's like, I bet you two twenty-five that I can hypnotize you, and that hypnosis will be that ability to change that shift, right? To turn that breakdown into a breakthrough, right? And that it's not that you are the problem, right? It's the story about the thing that happened to you and your belief in that story. That probably we should question because mm-hmm. it's obviously no longer serving you, even though it did at the time. It's not serving you now, and maybe we need to challenge that belief yeah. in a way where we're not butting up against your critical mind. Mm-hmm. We're actually talking to something else that can be more open to another possibility of what really happened at that moment. And if you do that, what changes now? Mm-hmm. Are you still in the same pattern? Are you still in the same belief? It's this subtle, simple shift that carries huge changes for people. Right. It
0: absolutely does Right, and we can we can honestly keep talking to you about this (laughs) forever. (laughs) We can keep going with this, but out of respect to your time too, and everyone listening, so just to wrap it up, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if they want to have an experience with you learn more about what you're doing where can they find you what can they expect
2: yeah so I have a website it's gnosis therapy that's spelled with a g genosis so g-n-o-s-i-s the rapi therapy uh, dot com um, it's also my instagram handle it's g-a-r-e-t-t at gnosis therapy dot com is my email um, it's two r's two t's even though it's Garrett because my mom is extra and so she gave me <laughs> a little bit of that which yeah. is pretty cool um, well, I
0: definitely think that we have given the listeners a ton to think about. Okay. I don't know who else's mind is blown right now, but I'm feeling really good about it. Great. Cool. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Yeah, yes. super fun. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah.